Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. There's always someone who's better than us at some aspect of our physicality. So no one is the full is the full package here. So there's always going to be someone who's going to be taller. There's always going to be someone who's faster. You know, whatever it might be. So I'd, I'd want someone to recognise whatever their own weakness, limitations might be. And I'd include, you know, forms of, of disability in this as well. Is to recognise that, OK, that that's our type of what everyone deals with in one way or another. Every, every body is unique, both in, in the wonderfulness, but also in, in, in the weakness. We've all got our own particular way of, of being physically weak. And partly that's a result of creation. We're not designed to be superhuman. We're designed to, to need each other and to have limitations. It's also the, the effects of the fall, twisting things and, and the body's not working fully in the way that they're supposed to. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. I'm Ed. I'm your host, as normal. I'm joined by Amy. Hello, Amy. Hello, Ed. Hello. Lovely to be here. Excited for our chat today. (laughs) Thanks, Amy. Sam Albury, you're joining us. I'm not going to say where you're joining us from. Sam, just (laughs) tell us, who are you? Where are you? How are you? (laughs) I'm Sam. I'm a pastor, grew up in England, but, but now living in Nashville in America. And I'm a bit croaky today because I, I lost my voice a couple of days ago. So apologies for that. Is that because you were at a Dolly Parton tribute night and sang so loud? No? <laughs> that would have been more fun. No, I just I had a couple of long plane journeys last week and I think it just uh, took the took the air out of my lungs. Oh. Sam, we're, we're talking about bodies today. Uh, you've you've written a brilliant book about bodies how as christians we think about our bodies and you've gone to some difficult places really well really helpfully uh do you remember what you thought of your body when you were a child or a teenager growing up i I do yes i mean as a child i I don't think i was sort of particularly self-conscious but as i went into to secondary school that's sort of when i think everyone becomes a bit more self-conscious and so I, i became a bit more aware of how i looked it was a it was a fairly Lord of the Flies kind of secondary school experience. So people would 
pick on each other for anything that they possibly could. So any physical defect or abnormality or feature or anything was quickly seized upon. So um, I think we were all pretty self-conscious at that point. Not in a massively angsty way, but certainly just, yeah, self-conscious enough, at least. So in that case... Wow, Ed, straight in there. Tell us tell us, <laughs> tell us about your body. I mean, I have to say, as, as a mum, as a woman listening, this is quite refreshing to hear men sort of talking about these things. But yeah, t- tell us your hang-ups, Ed. <laughs> well, I, I, look, I, I've got loads. And I, uh, I mean, I could talk to you about one ear that sticks out more than the other. And my nickname throughout school was about the shape of my nose. And I'm a fairly gangly individual. But we, you didn't want that. No, our listeners don't want that. <laughs> I did. I totally did. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm writing these down, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, Amy, I mean, it, it's... Um, I, I started working on this this book about the body about five or six years ago. And... Anytime I was with a group of Christians and they said, what are you working on? And I, I would talk about this. Guys would immediately open up wow. about some aspect of body image, some aspect of not feeling they conform to the image of a man enough. It really awakened me to the extent to which this is a, an issue many men wrestle with. Mm-hmm. And perhaps aren't as, aren't as quick to talk about. I wonder if women are quicker to talk about these things. I suspect so, because I found that when, when one or two guys start the dam bursts and then everyone else starts joining in and there's a sort of sense of, oh, I didn't know we got to talk about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's been interesting. And I do think you're right. I think there's a key thing about those secondary school years that that are key for a lot of these struggles. I remember some of the guys in the, the sports team I was in once stuck a sticker from a barbecue pack that said, ideal for barbecues on on my legs. <laughs> And I have never forgotten that comment that I have. I have thighs ideal for barbecues. So we all have probably traumatic moments that we can link back to from our childhood of the comments other kids made. Oh, I think we do. I think uh, adulthood is is recovery from childhood (laughs) as much as anything else. Sam, can can you just lay some foundations for us? You know, is there a sort of three step process to understanding what the Bible says about our bodies? I don't know about three steps, but certainly <laughs> just understanding how God has created us. Psalm 139 is a is a significant text on this where David talks about being fearfully and wonderfully made. So we do need to to recognize that. We do need to reflect on that. I think as as evangelicals, I think too often our Christian thinking begins in Genesis 3 and our starting point is, okay, I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. But uh, our starting point needs to be, no, I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not pretending my body is perfect. David was saying of his imperfect body, I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. So that that has to be our starting point. And not to despise, therefore, what God cherishes. Mm. David says, I praise you, for I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. So we, we need to, whenever we think about what we see in the mirror in the morning, what we're seeing is a reason to give God thanks, mm-hmm. because we can reflect on how we've been fearfully and wonderfully made. So I think that, for me, is the first is the first step, and it, it's one that I think we've we've often neglected as as evangelicals. I think as parents, when we look at our child, when we look at a baby, when we look at them learning how to do things and standing up and walking, we do feel more of that sense of awe and wonder in just what they're able to do and just the normal development of of you know, just breathing in and out and learning how to do stuff. And when our kids then start to tell us what they don't like about their bodies and what, you know, perhaps they're struggling with, there's that double shock because 
we we find it easier to think that they are fearfully and wonderfully made than perhaps we do about ourselves. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and it's telling that David is saying this of himself as an adult. Mm-hmm. It's easy to say it of a, of a brand new child as we're sort of overwhelmed at the wonder of a new of a new life. But uh, David is saying it of his, I don't know how old he would have been then, but middle-aged perhaps. He's saying that of his own middle-aged body that mm-hmm. he's used for sin in so many ways. It's not as if he'd been sort of, you know, pristine in his behaviour. And yet he could still say, I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. So it's easier to say of other people, perhaps, than of ourselves, which is why we need to learn to say it of ourselves. Sam, there, there seems to be, with our bodies, a sort of twin, a, a twin cultural obsession. On the one hand, particularly, I think, in young people, there is either a hatred or a loathing of their body. You know, I've got the wrong body. I need a better body. I hate my body. I want to hurt my body. Uh, and then equally, maybe in... Uh, the world of magazine front pages and Botox and cosmetic surgery, there is a, uh, my body is is the thing I have. It defines me. Mm. C- could you just help us to, to navigate? Is the Christian story closer to one than the other? Yeah, the, both of those voices are, I mean, they're, they're contradictory, but we hear them both loud and clear. We've, we've sort of othered our own bodies in a sense, and we, we, they've become something that is either a, a liability to us because we don't think they fit who we are, or they've become our chief asset because they happen to look like culture wants them to look like. But I think that the, the better way we can think about this as, as believers is to recognise that our body isn't everything. It's not the totality of who we are. Our whole sense of identity and self should not be bound up with how others see our bodies. But at the same time, my body isn't irrelevant either. It, it's not, it's not, not me. <laughs> so in, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul can talk about you and your body interchangeably because my body is me. It's not mm-hmm. all there is to me, but it's not other than me. So I think that helps me to sort of not trivialize my body, but also not to not to make it front and centre in such a way that it's then going to cause, cause undue angst. God says to, to Samuel that, you know, the Lord doesn't look as man looks. God looks at the heart. Man only looks at the outward things. We, we only see the surface. The Lord sees inside of us. Mm. So we just need to remember that, that biblically speaking, there is, the, there is the body and then there is the, there is the inner man, mm. uh, the, the, the self, the, the soul, the spirit. Both are significant. We're, we're designed to be an integrated whole, body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think that that gives us a, a way of valuing the body without idolizing it and a way of relativizing it without, you know, completely ditching it. I think, Sam, I remember being taught that Bible verse a lot as a child. You know, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And I always remember being massively confused by it because I thought... You're basically, I, d- I don't know, I don't know why that's good. So you're just telling me man looks at the outward appearance, so make more of an effort. God looks at the heart, so that's also bad news. It's bad news everywhere because <laughs> your heart is sinful and you need to make an effort to look good. So I think as we, you know, there's lots, lots of very literal thinkers out there like I was as a kid that I think um, helping people unpack that a little more. Mm. I think there's also this this understanding that almost my inner self is what matters most. So I would have thought of it a bit like a central heating combi boiler. 
You know, there's the there's the real me, the the spiritual me, my soul. That's the flame in the middle, and there's the outside case around it. And the bit that really matters that God's interested in is the blue thing in the middle. And the case doesn't really matter. It's a tent. You put it down. It's got so your body basically is sort of irrelevant because God's interested in the blue flame heart. I hope that made some level of sense. It did. It did. I can see you're wearing a scarf right now, so maybe you're, this is why you're thinking about heating. Um, Can't be pointless. <laughs> no, I think I think that's a that's a natural way to think, but I I think the Bible can can help us with that because again, we can assume well the, the soul is the bit God's interested in, and, and the body's just the sort of you know lumpy thing I have to to wander around the planet with for the time being, but actually. Two things actually can help me think a bit more biblically than that. The first is that it, when, when God creates Adam in Genesis 2, he doesn't create a soul called Adam and then look for a body to put him into. Mm-hmm. We're told that God forms the man of dust from the ground and then breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. So we're not souls first and then bodies kind of distant second. Mm-hmm. We're, we're animated flesh. And then secondly, Paul says in Romans 8 that we await the redemption of our bodies. So God's God's plan for our eternal future involves our bodies, mm-hmm. but not our bodies as we experience them now. Our bodies as they will be redeemed, as they will be resurrected. So this body now is not a sort of temporal inconvenience. It is it is part of God's good creation that that has been affected by the fall and will be restored and redeemed and that's the verse we all get to giggle about as young people isn't it where we read it about our heavenly bodies <laughs> indeed yes in, in the, that's... 15. yeah heavenly bodies you think oh, is that is that some supermodel uh, <laughs> uh yeah it's a physical experience it is sam a, a striking stat that is the opposite story of that uh, from your book is you say 54 percent of women the majority of women describe themselves as unhappy with their body and 80% say looking in the mirror makes them feel bad. I mean, that that strikes me as horrendous. Yeah. And the, the stats, I'm sure, are, are, are correspondingly grim for men as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm sure that's true. So could you just help us as parents? Do you see what might be at the beginning of life that we can be telling our children and young people that, that might... I mean, if it's okay, we can predict they're probably not going to have a super toned body because most people don't, particularly after their 30s. Yeah. So what what is the message we can start with that might set them up better? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, again, going back to our doctrine of creation, that God loves the human body. He's made several billion of them by now. He intends us to be embodied. Our bodies matter for living in the way that he wants us to live. And that the greatest way in which your body is a gift isn't to do with whether it looks great according to culture or or not great according to your culture, but your body is the means by which you can be physically present, blessed by and a blessing to other people. That matters far more about our bodies than than how our bodies look. Our, Our bodies are the means by which we get to to live in God's world, to have friendship with one another. Our physicality is all is all essential for that. You can't be a friend without your body. <laughs> and you can be a much better friend because of your body. Because as we learned in COVID, presence makes a big difference. And when when a precious friend is physically present with me, I'm not thinking, man, I wish his body was better looking. I'm thinking, I'm so glad my friend is with me. 
It's, it's the person's presence that is so precious. How our bodies happen to be ranked by cultures kind of, you know, numbers out of 10 for, for looks actually is, is not the big deal in life. And it, it's made worse, I think, in our own time because with, with culture being so globalised, with all the, the kind of technological capacities we have to alter a, an image of someone, the standard of beauty that we're pre- being presented with is ever more unrealistic because even the person we're looking at, that might not be, even be them. That might be them having gone through all kinds of editing, having someone else's you know hair put on their head or, or whatever it might be. So I think that the way this is trending means that we all feel a bit uglier because the standard of beauty being presented to us is ever more kind of science fiction-y. So we just need to sort of take that with a massive grain of salt and think, okay, in Psalm 34, I think, says that those who look to the Lord are radiant, that the best way to shine as a physical human body is, is to have your eyes fixed on Jesus. We're never more, actually, we're never more radiant than when we're looking at him. That That's that's how we shine as the people that we're we're meant to be. So, so Sam, as a as a mom of a daughter, who I see struggling with a culture that you know, with all these filters that are required and the seeming impossible standard of beauty that I think I felt the pressure of as as a teen, but she's going to feel all the more so. How do we encourage our kids to think in that way about beauty as being something about? the radiance that you've just talked about and as more than just doing all you can to physically be, I suppose, sexually appealing. What, what is different about, about the beauty that God talks about? Yes. I think, I think the first thing to say to a a child is, I think one of the, one of the things that makes us hard for so many people is people think I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. Everyone else seems to look great and be okay with how they look and I'm the one who is your one out here so I think reassuring someone that actually everybody feels that Mm. everybody feels some kind of physical lack just to sort of level the playing field in that sense people who might look like they're super confident are actually not Mm. but just a lot of people are good at faking it Mm -hmm. so just to reassure someone that they're not alone in in wrestling with that and just to again reassure them that actually Physical beauty, is, as culture defines it, is very, very fickle. It, it's very contingent on certain things being in at the moment and then not, you know, five years' time, it, it's all changed again. So you might line up with the, the kind of ideal image right now, but then in five, ten years' time, that might not be the case. And in any case, looks, as the, as the Bible shows us, looks are very fleeting. It takes one... One accident, it takes going through puberty in a slightly turbulent way. It takes hitting your 30s and thing. you know, we change. We change so quickly. And I, I've noticed this. People I, I was kind of intimidated by because of how good looking they were. When I was at school, I look them up on Facebook now and I sort of think, oh, <laughs> And they haven't really? aged well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, type has not been kind. Um, so it, it's a very, the, the goalposts are constantly shifting and it's a very mm-hmm. fleeting, fragile insecure thing to try to to sort of get right Mm. whereas there's there's a kind of beauty we see in the bible that is described as being unfading Mm. i can think of people i know some wonderful saints who i know who they're never going to be on the the front cover of a fitness magazine but there's a they just shine as people and the older they get 
the more they shine. And it makes them compelling people. They're, they're people I want to be around. Mm. So it's it's something that transcends the kind of cultural views we have of, of beauty. I think what you said about people thinking that they're the only one. I can remember sitting around the table with, with our kids and I think it was part of the Who Are My series that we were writing and some of the discussions we were having and that I was trying out with my own family at home and asking them what they didn't like about their bodies and what we found hard and what we'd like to change. And there was that little hesitance that obviously, you know, kids were like, are we supposed to say? And when I then listed the things that I didn't like about my body and told the story about the the ideal for barbecue sticker, my kids, one, found that utterly hilarious, but were so blown away that like grown up adults, that their mum, who they think is a hero who handles things well, has these struggles too, that that then it makes it safe to then say, we all struggle and we all have things that we'd like to change. Yeah. And what's the Christian distinctive within that? And who are we, who are we trusting and who gave me my body? And yeah. I remember and and who who loves your body enough yeah. to dwell in it by his spirit. Yeah. And how that then works out is that there are those moments when I sit around you know the swimming pool on holiday with my with my kids and there's the glamorous woman with the with their one of those wide brimmed hats and like super slim black swimming costumes that's from a ma- magazine and I think gosh I don't look like that. And then I have to remember what will my kids remember is that mum with her slight wobbly bits was fun and jumped in the pool and played with them. And that's what they consider to be amazingly beautiful about their mum, that she was herself and got on with it. That's amazing. I love that. (laughs) And it also helps as well. I mean, we can be grateful for a few of the, you know, the number of celebrities who've opened up about their own insecurities. And you should look at them and think, how could you be insecure about the way that you look? But again, yeah. it goes, it, it, it's that pervasive. Sam, as ever, I think <laughs> that, that, that there is some complexity to this topic. We, we both get to say, God says our bodies are utterly beautiful, while also saying they're probably not. And that's that's not a lie. It's not confusing. Well, you've also just helpfully said, the spirit chooses to live in our bodies. Is that is that that is what you just said, isn't it? That feels yeah. like I've just made something spiritual too physical, but you're happy with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Okay. And then we've got this final thing, which is God became a body. Yeah. Do you want to guess what Jesus's body was like? Well, I can I can guess in very broad terms of two arms, two legs, <laughs> and so on, but we as as we read the gospel accounts we realise how physically normal Jesus was. He got tired, he got hungry, he got thirsty, he felt physical pain. And as we as we see him suffering on the way to the cross and, and at the cross we you know we, we read Isaiah fifty three and, and realise people hid their faces from him. Uh, they were so ashamed to look at him. So he he understood that part of self consciousness too, and in a very in a very extreme way. And we're told that there was nothing. Can you, he wasn't sort of you know super good looking. He would have he would have been normal looking. Again, Isaiah says there was nothing in him that we should be attracted to him. He would have had average looks. So, kind of he he would have been physically reassuringly normal. He wasn't walking around like a like a supermodel and a foot taller than everybody else. We wouldn't have noticed him in a crowd based on his looks alone. <laughs> as, as ever, we have a saviour who is able to sympathise with us, mm-hmm. and not least in 
all the kind of bodily frailties and insecurities that we experience he's yeah he's walked around in a normal imperfect human body i i find that gives me clarity about what we're telling our children I, it does feel like very very good news your your bodies are amazing yeah they are a good gift to you in their in their imperfection and normality they are like our hero jesus yes mm-hmm. yes and I think for kids with growing bodies, the understanding that Jesus knew what it was like to not be able to reach something and then to have grown and be able to reach it. Yeah. Jesus understood growing pains. Jesus went through puberty. Jesus understood what it was for your body to change and for yeah. things to be different. And Yeah, his voice broke and maybe went through a squeaky phase. Maybe he had teenage acne, greasy hair. You know, he would have gone through a normal human bodily growth. I think, sorry, I think there's a common experience of a father of boys, a parent of boys. Normally it's the mum who spots it, is when body odour kicks in. Oh, man, I've got three teenage boys. We, the day we moved from baby wipes to links in the house was like... <laughs> <laughs> I remember the day deodorant appeared on the stairs and mum casually said, I bought that for you. <laughs> I remember that day very clearly. The idea that maybe Mary said to Jesus, it's it's a good day to wash, Jesus. <laughs> or when did you last wash? It's a regular conversation that we have in our house. But I do think that's something about that also that our kids, we notice about our kids' bodies, but our kids notice about us as parents. So I do think there are those those things that... And before kids get too hung up in what they're allowed to say and what you know what is what is culturally acceptable or not about you know, mum's body and dad's body, that I remember, Ed, I remember your son having a conversation with with us all to point out that mums just smell better than dads. <laughs> and I remember asking my daughter why she'd come to me for the carry and she'd said, oh, that's because you're comfier than dad because <laughs> I have front cushions <laughs> and dad's just a bit smellier, that you just think that those things that our children notice about our bodies, the differences between them as male and female, that it's quite it's quite good to talk about and mm. to be open about. Absolutely. And and again, I keep coming back to the, you know, I, I, I was in Jerusalem earlier this year and got to visit the, the temple and saw the, the people praying for the Western Wall and wailing with such, such deep emotion. And I, I just thought this very average body of mine is more of a temple than that than that pile of stones will ever be mm-hmm. because of the gospel and the thought that God would come and and call my body a temple with all that that means with all that that implies that my body would be God's physical address on planet earth his dwelling place again i need to see my body as he does mm. he clearly doesn't despise it he's happy to live in it in fact he might be more he might be more comfortable in my body than than i am i think that's true what a thought. Sam, as you've been thinking about this, I suspect it means you, you feel like you've sort of got antenna now for how people talk about their bodies and practices and routines you see. Hmm. Are there a couple of examples of maybe the way we talk about bodies or routines in our homes that you, you just think they're not the big thing, but maybe they are just something we could think more carefully about yeah no this is this is this will vary so much from person to person and and that's our kind of routines are one of the parts of our lives that are least seen by others but i've i've spoken to a lot of people who 
have put that verse from Psalm 139 on their on their own bathroom mirror because it, it's helping them to think, okay, at the beginning of each day, regardless of how I feel about what I'm seeing, I praise God for I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. I found that to be a good a good routine a lot of people have, have put in in the light of some of what we've been talking about. I think, too, the other thing is is we need to be mindful of what we say about other people's bodies. And we, we, we've all got our own stories of things that were said to us maybe when we were 14 or 15, and the person who said it wouldn't have thought twice about it and has never thought about it again in their lives, but it's it's hung over us ever since then. Our words about one another's bodies are very, very powerful. So let's make sure we're, we're using words that are going to, yeah, that will reflect God's own heart and not words that will kind of cause people to suffer and, and feel pain. Yeah, we're, we're, we're more fragile than we tend to realise we are. So I think as children start to notice differences in bodies, that they lack awareness. So they might make statements about what they see that aren't, because they don't understand the effect that it has on people's feelings. Mm. I mean, I remember pushing children around the supermarket uh, in the trolley and they will, look at that man over there, he's got... A... That, you know, those moments when you just, oh, and you panic and you want to shut them down and get them out the shop as quick as you can, that just, I think, having that moment to realise that nothing in that was about being unkind, it was no. that child's, they're noticing differences. Yeah, and that's actually a really good opportunity to, and I say this as a non-parent, so ignore everything I'm about to say. No, 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 no. It, You've had time uh, to think about it. We listen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good opportunity to say to a child as they're pointing out, hey, look out, you know, whether it's someone's unusually tall or got yeah. purple hair or whatever it might be, is to say, isn't God amazing at making people different? Yeah. And, yeah. and turning that into a good thing. Um, yeah. Wouldn't it be boring if we were all the same height and all the same shape and all had the same colour hair? Yeah. But it's part of God's creativity just as you don't want to have the same thing well maybe this doesn't work with kids I was going to say you don't want the same meal three times a day but maybe many of our kids do <laughs> um that there's part of the sort of god-given variety of life that we we actually it's awesome that god has made yeah. people different shapes and sizes and so on we all find pick a mix exciting yes so the fact that there's as many different kinds of sweets that's just yes. that's that is what god does Look how exciting. We all want more than one colour of paint. Look at how he does that. Yep. And I think in that moment in the supermarkets, have the confidence to say, I can see that you're noti- noticing body differences. Let's talk about it. Yeah. How does How is that God using all the different colours in his paint box? And how is that God using all the different ways that he makes people? Isn't he brilliant? And I think as well, recognising that with with some of, the, some of the things that we tend to notice about each other, we can see how that would be really cool in some ways and, and potentially difficult in other ways when you see someone who's really tall you might think well that'd be really cool for seeing over everybody else's heads and you know but then when you have to get on a plane or get on a train you don't don't want to be seven feet tall so I think trying to help people realize that there's there's a positive and a negative to all the different ways in which we, we sort of find ourselves. Could we just talk about that point Sam? I think to be a parent as in all aspects, we, we know our children's bodies very well. Mm. And so, for instance, it's often a family is very short or very tall. And it might be that as a parent, we know a minor disability or a major disability in our children or a weakness they have, a way that their body is not as good at some measures as other people's. Mm. And of course, I think this leads even on to death, yeah. which is where our bodies end. Could, could you help us 
how we talk about it when it may be subjectively our bodies aren't as good, but it may be objectively. Yeah, I, and I think it's worth, it's again worth pointing out that no one excels on everything physically. There's always someone who's better than us at some aspect of our physicality. So no one is the full, is the full package here. Mm. So there's always going to be someone who's going to be taller. There's always going to be someone who's faster, you know, whatever it might be. So I'd, I'd want someone to recognize whatever their own weakness limitations might be. And I'd include, you know, forms of, of disability in this as well is to recognize that, okay, that that's our type of what everyone deals with in one way or another. Every everybody is unique, mm. both in in the wonderfulness, but also in 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 the weakness. We've all got our own particular way of of being physically weak, and partly that's a result of creation. We're not designed to be superhuman. We're designed to to need each other and to have limitations. Mm. It's also the the effects of the fall, twisting things, and and the body's not working fully in the way that they're supposed to. So if, if someone is self-conscious about a particular physical weakness of theirs, again, I'd, I'd want to say it might be a more visible one, but you're not, in, you're not unique in having things that are particularly difficult for you to do. And it's part of how God's designed all of us to be people who need everybody else. And I think what you were saying about King David, he was saying he was fearfully, wonderfully made and praising God with a body that, that had limitations too. Yeah, and a body he had misused. Yeah, even so, that's true for all of us. We praise God, and we're fearfully and wonderfully made with our strengths and our limitations. I think that's liberating. That hmm. actually, I can see how you know, in one of my kids' lives, who who does struggle with a mild disability, that his limitations have given him an opportunity to to demonstrate his his confidence in and his determination in trying to do things that he finds hard. In, in trusting the Lord in, in when he perhaps doesn't feel as as physically capable as everyone else, that he can trust that God has made him the way he has, that his limitations have actually given him, as is true in so many of our lives in different circumstances, the things that we find hard are often where we glorify God most by demonstrating faith and trusting him. I think would, you'd agree, wouldn't you, that this book you've written, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, you would hope that a parent could pick this up and get to grips with it. I certainly found that as I read it. I'm sure you'd say the same. I, I hope so. It's I'm I'm not a technical or academic person, so I, I try and write books that I can actually read. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> and are there a couple of books or or videos or any other resource you you found helpful and accessible as you as you were writing this? Yes, I mean there's a there's a kids book. I think the title is you may know it. Um, it's been a while since I've looked at it. God made all of me, which is a, a sort of a book of, for, designed for kids to to help awareness of you know learning about private parts and why they need to be respected and honoured by others. That's a very specific kind of resource. There's actually been a few books coming out on on the body, sort of around the time that mine came out and and since that I've only just started to look at that look that look very good as well. And I forget the name of one of them's called Embodied, but I can't remember who wrote it. <laughs> it's been recommended on this series by Preston Sprinkle. Yes, yes. We we will put these these books in the show notes as well as yours at the top. <laughs> Thank you. Sam, we're very grateful to you. Would you be willing to pray for the families who are listening to this as they grapple with these issues? I would love to. Thanks, Sam. 
Father, we we come to you grateful for your generosity to us in creation, for giving us the gift of life, even when that life can be difficult. Father, the breath that each of us is breathing now is a gift from you. Our bodies are a gift from you. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made, and therefore, Lord, we we have reason to praise you. However we're doing today, however we're feeling, we have reason to praise you. And I pray, Lord, for... For those listening, um, I pray for wisdom, for for parents especially wanting to help their kids think biblically and and healthily about their bodies. Father, we have all kinds of challenges in the world around us, but we we believe that your your word is is always going to be enough for us. We're not lacking anything in what you've given us. And we pray that you'd help us to think healthily about our own bodies and then to help children that you've you've gifted to us to think healthily about their bodies too lord thank you that we have a a god who is a is a kind-hearted and generous creator and we praise you in jesus name amen 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 this podcast is part of a series we're doing on who am i and uh, we're going to be coming on this theme of bodies to looking at self-harm as well as disability And we also have a families podcast, Faith in Kids for Kids, on this topic. I am wonderfully made, and we'll put those in the show notes, as well as the series that's now available to download for free from our website, faithinkids.org, called Who Am I? Amy, it's out there. How does that feel? I know. It's good, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? And there's podcasts to help people, so you you should be subscribing to the podcast you should be signing up to the website, following us on social media, so you totally don't miss on anything. It'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Sam, thank you very much. Enjoy Nashville. We'll say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye, Sam. Thank you so much. Take care.